Welcome to the Happy Client Show, where our goal is to help you build client relationships that delight. My name is Ben Butler, and I'm joined here in studio, coffee in hand, by my co-host, Andrew Dimsky. Andrew, how you doing? Uh, Ben, I'm, uh, what's up? How you doing? Andrew, I'm annoyed now, man. That was, that was such an unresponsive moment we just had. You find unresponsiveness annoying, Ben? Oh my gosh. Me, if anyone, <laughs> the, the erratic one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's in, can you imagine being the person delivering that kind of annoyance to a client? I mean, I get annoyed just whenever people aren't responsive to me, but can you imagine being the person delivering that? I can't. That's a frustrating experience and rather annoying, Ben. Sure is. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. The five things annoying the heck out of your clients. And these aren't just things that we pulled out of our hat, although certainly we'd love to do that and have a good time. These are things that I have literally heard at one point or another in some of the client relationships that I've managed over the years. These are verbatim experiences that clients have had, and a lot of these are deal breakers. So these are things that you really need to avoid uh, and keep at the, the forefront of your mind as you're guiding intentionally your relationships going forward. Uh, yes. The number one reason, Ben, let's jump into this. What do we got? Number one, and this is a big one, missed deadlines. It's better to under-promise and over-deliver because it makes you look like a hero. Now, when you do the opposite and you over-promise and under-deliver, it's really going to cripple your agency in a variety of ways. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the setting expectations realistically through the entire process is so, so important. And deadlines, there's a, a huge factor of trust that go along with deadlines and meeting deadlines and communicating expectations through that. So that is annoying when the client doesn't follow it. But if you want to hold them to a high standard, you have to hold yourself to a high standard as an agency. Yeah. And I think that this is something that agencies do way, way, way too often. I feel like this is more common than it is not. Uh, and I know we get praised a lot at Guava Box for always hitting our deadlines no matter how crazy they've been. And, you know, there's obviously some backstory to some of the crazy deadlines, but we always hit our deadlines. And I think it's so important to do as an agency because what's going on on the other side of the table is that clients are basing a lot of their own uh, schedules and calendars and occurrences based on your deadlines. I know a quick story jumps in my mind. Um, I set an expectation for a, a web design uh, a web redesign actually for a client and uh, towards the deadline when it was due, you know we were about to be three days short of that deadline and I just remember the client was very, very upset because they had planned an entire marketing push around the launch of that website. So it's really, really bad to set up a deadline expectation and to miss it. And it has a tremendously poor effect on your clients, especially if they base a lot of activities around it. Yeah, there's it derails everything on the client side of things. It erodes trust. Um, it really doesn't do anything to benefit you personally or as an agency. So we want to make sure that we're acting proactively through the process and making sure that we're hitting deadlines as we go forward 
Um, let's dig into some tips that folks can do or folks can follow to make sure that they're hitting these deadlines and not putting the client in an aggravating situation. Yeah. I, I, and I think probably the most obvious one is to under-promise and over-deliver. And this is something that you preach a lot about, Andrew, and I, I love it. If you think it's going to take you six weeks, say it's going to take you nine weeks. If you think it's going to take you six months, say it's going to take you nine months because the only thing you can do is over-deliver from that expectation. Yeah, set a low expectation up front because that gives you, just like you would add some margin in a project to cover you know, what, how much money you'd like to make, cover, put some margin in there around expectations as well. If you, if you can overshoot a little bit off of what you think you can make it, then you show up at the end of the day as a hero and they get the deliverable earlier than they first thought. And that's always a good position to be in. If you have to push things back going through the process, that's not a very good position to be in. Um, so we want to just do as much as we can through the sales process, through the onboarding process, to set expectations that give us room as a team to operate and give us room to really deliver delight by beating those projections that we have and that we've set together. Yeah, and and I think on a, a process level, one thing that you can do is to think through those processes ahead of time. And I know that's a, a strong theme that we have when it comes to delighting your clients is you really need to think through things before they happen. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to think about what information that I will need uh, to run a project successfully from start to finish. I try to anticipate every area where content will be required, whether it's copy, whether it's uh, a certain uh, agreement on a design style or an element in place. And if you can think proactively, then you can approach it with some foresight and you can gather that information while you do other stuff. And what happens too often in uh, projects is you don't think concurrent activity-wise. You think, okay, our team's going to do this activity, then the client's going to do this. And while the client's doing this, we're just going to sit around and pick our nose until they're done there and then we can move on. What you need to think in terms of is what can both teams do concurrently that won't negatively affect one another but will only benefit one another at the end of the day? What can we do here and what can they do here? And it's your job to orchestrate that so that it happens. One key thing that we've added through the game plan process is adding a marketing inventory form. And it is a super simple resource where we just take some of the common questions that we need to get answers from the client and we send it over to them as part of their pre-meeting homework. And they have to have it submitted to us 24 hours before the first uh, game plan discovery meeting. And that's really helpful because while they're going about and doing that research, we can be setting up the project and getting things orchestrated and then on the day of the meeting, we're actually all engaged. We all have the information that we need and we can have a much more fruitful conversation. And they're not running around looking for things that we requested, like how many visits they got to the website, how many leads they got last month, all those sorts of things. It really positions everyone for success. And that kind of raises another question in mind, Ben, is what happens when a, we miss a deadline because a client was late? How can we enable our process to better handle clients who miss their deadlines that could cause the entire projects to get pushed back? Yeah, and that's that's a really common occurrence. And I would say beyond not having foresight and the agency dropping the ball, that you know the other 50% is clients who are dropping the ball. And I know at Guavabox we've gone through this quite a bit. And the bottom line is this. You can plan all you want. You can have the best process in the whole world. 
But if the client does not deliver their obligations, then it's not your fault. All you can do in your process is to do every single thing in your power to push the project forward. And once you hit the end and that the outland, as I like to call it, once you hit that outland position where you have done everything and you're just sitting there waiting and there's nothing possibly left for you to do, honestly, it sounds harsh, but the ball is in their court. And again, there's not much you can do about that. And if they want to get upset, the only person they should get upset about or at is themselves because you've done every single possible thing you can. And honestly, at the end of the day, that's all you can do. It's up to them. Yeah, it goes back to the episode we did about documenting absolutely everything and how important it is to document account of our, uh, responsibilities in there and make sure you're reporting them regularly. Um, so references to two shows, two past shows right there, documentation and reporting. Um, but <laughs> thinking about those things and putting that client in a position so that they understand what's going on and that it, it's um, the deadline isn't going to be reached because they dropped the ball telling that story well in a way that doesn't attack them, but also shares with them the facts that, you know, our team is ready. We're just waiting on you for these things. Uh, that's important to mix into the process there and don't overlook that. So don't, you know, don't be the martyr in this situation and eat that because that's going to erode your position as an agency. You want to be, you want to assume a posture of a consultant through the process. And so that means laying out a timeline and communicating through that timeline as you go forward. So, Adding that to your process might help you um, with the missing deadlines piece. The number two point we want to talk about, about things that are um, really aggravating to clients, is when an agency is unresponsive. So, Ben, you want to dive in and share a little bit about what you mean here by unresponsiveness and how we can prevent it as an agency? Yeah, let's let's define the term unresponsiveness first, just so we have a very a clear direction to, to follow here with this point. Unresponsiveness is an unprofessional act of not providing a return message in a definite dialogue. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are messages that don't need a response and honestly couldn't benefit from a response for anybody. Those uh, That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about things that dictate a response, things that are questions, things that are concerns that you should reciprocate an answer with. So an example is this. A client sends you an email with an important question and you don't know one and you specifically don't respond until three to four days later. Well, that is an example of unresponsiveness and a lot of people argue at this point. They say, well, we responded. Well, by the time you responded, the moment had left. So there are several rules that I have really come to know uh, when it comes to responding to clients and that we've really come to know as we've gone through in our agency. Andrew, do you want to dive into some of those general rules about responsiveness? Yeah. First of all, if you get it and you don't know the answer yet, something that I found is it's a temptation for me to want to go and find the answer and then come to them with with a solution. But sometimes that that process takes too long and they don't know you're working on it. So in general, do as much as you can to respond you know, within that business day, just say, Hey, I got, I'm, I've received this verify that you've received it, that you've heard their request and I'm working on a solution. That's really, really important. Get it in that business day. And if it's super urgent, jump on at ASAP and say, Hey, we're not sure what the solution is. Um, let's say a client's website went down or they're having issues logging into somewhere. 
just confirming that, hey, we understand how important this is. Um, we are actively working on this right now, and I will give you an update as soon as I possibly can. Dropping those little lines in there, depending on the urgency of the situation, just confirming that you have received the call and that you have actively put resources towards it will help that client sort of take a step back and say, okay, they, they at least have it under control. They're, they've heard my voice. They're working on it. Um, so you can, you can use those sort of guidelines there to measure that impact. But then I always find it really, really important to just shoot a reply and say, I've, I've received this. You know, I find that when I get those, that's really helpful. Yeah. That, that's such a real temptation where honestly, yeah, you don't know the answer, but it's important to show them because sometimes, I mean, sometimes it takes 48 hours, 72 hours, you know, weeks to find responses to the really, really complicated issues or, you know, solutions that have to be implemented down the pipeline. Um, but it's really important to respond within that business day uh, to to tell them, yes, I have this, we're working on this, we're working on your behalf. And I think that really puts a lot of confidence uh, in the client relationship. And I know we're all busy as agencies, you know, we're managing various accounts and, you know, we have lots of stuff going on. So here are a few tips to fit in client communications with your busy schedule. Uh, number one would be to schedule email blocks. And I know this is helpful for a lot of people and I know this is helpful for myself as well. If I'm just answering emails and be, as I'm accomplishing tasks, I'm going to get distracted and I'm not going to be productive. It's better to rather schedule blocks where you're going to blast through your inbox, where that is your sole purpose for that 15-minute time span or that 20-minute time span. And usually it's good to set two of those, one in the you know, mid to early morning and one in the mid to uh, late afternoon. And I found that incredibly helpful. Uh, Andrew, do you have any other uh, suggestions on client communications and a bed busy schedule? Yeah, I think for if you're going to schedule those email blocks, just communicate it to the client. And maybe it's throwing something into your email signature saying, hey, I check my email between 8 and 8.30 and between 3 and 3.30. So if you shoot me a message and I don't get back to you, know that these are the, the time blocks that I use. And I know that's a common productivity tip that I wish I did a better job at because email is very derailing. I feel that it is someone else dictating your to-do list for the day. Um, but if you are going to do that, just communicate the expectations again that that's what you're going to do. Um, clearly identifying if you're not available, whether it's vacation or if you're in client meetings all day, putting someone else in charge and someone else to follow up with whether that's an automated automated response um, or some element like that where you can communicate the fact that you can't respond during this window, that's really important. So you don't want to go on vacation, check your email you know, every two days and not have anything in place to follow up with people. Um, I'd make sure you add that to your process. Something that we've done, Ben, is setting up like a Slack channel um, to communicate with clients on a project. That is, uh, that's eliminated a lot of email conversations, which can get really, really convoluted going through that process. And we like it because it creates like a transparency. Um, if you've got a, a Slack channel set up for a project, everyone can see what's going on and make sure you set that expectation that we don't want a lot of uh, personal DMs going back and forth. We want open lines of communication where everyone can see the conversation. Mm -hmm. That way, if you know, if you and the client have a con are going back and forth and I come in after another meeting, I can see, okay, what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And I can do that without derailing your day. You know, that's really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and I think another thing that that does is it allows every team member who's involved in that project to respond. And so if you're not available and someone else is and they can do it, you know, pretty much the rule that we use is whoever is first available, who has the 
answer and can respond, should respond. And so they dive in. It kind of spreads the burden of the communication because a lot of times the project manager will be the person who gets bombarded with every single question and every single request when you know there might be other key team members who can jump in from time to time and potentially even with a better answer. So it's definitely something uh, that you can consider and should consider, but you have to think strategically about how you're going to use it because if you're not careful, and I know this is something we had a very long strategy discussion about, it can go out of control. So you want to make sure that you're setting the expectation up front for what it is and how it's going to operate. Um, Another point here is bringing a client into your project management tool. Yeah, We talked to a lot of agencies that like to bring their clients into Basecamp and have conversations there, bring their clients into their do inbound portal and manage campaigns together in that sense. So that could be another way to handle client communications, bringing them into the platform where the, the project or the retainer uh, is being managed and how's that conversation in the same place. Yeah. And that's, that's probably one of the best ways to keep it on point because the only conversation you can have is on the project itself and nothing more. Yeah. This next point really ticks me off. And this is when uh, number three is when you don't know what you're talking about and you can spot these people a mile away. And I hate being on a sales call with someone uh, where I'm, when they're trying to sell me something and I can just tell that they don't know the answer to my question. Um, Yeah, a lot of times we can feel obligated, like we need to come up with something. we got to sound smart in this situation. Uh, but I think people can sniff through that. Um, and I think a lot of times we, when you're, if you're a marketer and you're meeting with a CEO or a high-level executive, they want to know the straight and dirty. They want to know the answer to their question and no fluff around it. So if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, I hate it when people try to make it up on the spot. I would highly recommend not trying to make it up, being transparent through that and just saying, Hey, uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure the answer, but I'm going to go and find the answer for you, and I will I will be back in this time with my response. Set a set an expectation of when they'll hear back. Um, but gosh, that is something that fires that can really really erode a client relationship if they feel like you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Yeah, I know there's some stories that you've told me that uh, basically you have said that you wanted to strangle the person who is. Uh, Giving these, so just just to give an idea of how serious it can be, and can you imagine if you're a CEO or you're a president of a company, uh, and the agency you hired is just giving you these stupid piecemeal answers that they don't really make sense, and it just sounds like you're trying to string them together because you have to come up with an answer. Seriously, put the pride aside. If you don't know, be humble, and just be honest. Say, hey, I don't know, but I will find out. That's the key. Don't just say you don't know. Attach that end part. You will find out in within what time frame. That's that's gold right there. Yeah, it builds respect. You know, the client, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to get the answer to their question and they're going to respect you more as a person for just shooting straight with them and communicating clearly through that. So I, it's, a, it's a win-win situation at that point, if you ask me. Uh, just shooting straight, telling them, telling them when you'll get back to them. Really, really important. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think this next point is another uh, point that really ticks me off personally, having experienced it um, whenever I was working in corporate PR, um, you know, in working with an agency as a supplement is number four, getting bounced from one account manager to the next. Oh, my biggest pet peeve. And I know clients <laughs> feel the same way. My goodness. One of the most important elements, and you hear Andrew and I talk about the importance of onboarding and onboarding well, 
one of the biggest things you need to do is you need to get them in touch with a dedicated project manager who is the sole POC for your agency and the intermediary between your agency and their organization. Now, that is such a pivotal moment because that should happen right as the sale has been made. Okay, the sale has been made and so the sales team is going to sit down and introduce the client to the project management team and there's a lot of context that is shared in that moment. It's the beginning of the relationship. There's a lot of thoughts, feelings, any obstacles that are brought up are experienced by that room. So the worst possible thing you can do is for almost no reason at some point early or even middle of the relationship at a critical time period is bouncing them from one account manager to the other. All that's going to do is reduce the faith that they have in you. And it's just, I I feel like it's a really inhumane treatment um, of your clients. Yeah, this is one thing that Mike Lieberman talks about in an inbound agency journey episode is he talks about his hive structure and he breaks down how he builds out his inbound agency team to manage clients and what he does is he, he builds these small teams that operate in hives. And when the client load on one hive gets too big to handle, he peels out uh, one of the strategists and the clients that they manage to start another hive. So he doesn't pull them out and start from scratch, but he takes the, them and the relationships that they have to start the new hive. And I thought that was a great point where if you're growing and you need to spread the workload out here, Bring someone who has the client relationships that knows the backstory to start managing those projects so you're not bouncing them from one manager to the other. The really hard part here is what happens if that account manager just leaves, quits the job, and walks away. That's where it's important to have everything documented so that anyone you do bring to fill those shoes has the context to soak that up, and it would be good if they had some exposure and some experience with the client as well so the client's not blindsided by a new account manager. Um, so if they quit and they just walk away, I think you, if you've documented things well, the client will show some grace there. But if it's just, if you can't operationally run your agency well enough to have one consistent person running the client, I think you're going to see a lot of tension and friction from your clients. And there's not going to be that element of trust that goes into a real partnership at that point. They're going to feel betrayed through that. So in whatever you do, Try to maintain an element of consistency in the client experience, in the project management experience, so that the client knows exactly who to talk to if they have a question. And that kind of rolls into frustration number five, Ben, where we talk about agencies being vague in their responses. So I think I think our clients want us to be decisive. They want us to come with a framework and a process to help them get to where they want to go. And being vague about a topic can really erode that platform of authority. Yeah, and it's one of those things where at the beginning of a relationship, it could be a client who says, yeah, the vague behavior is totally cool, but I promise you and I absolutely promise you I'll put money on it. Eventually, that vague behavior will cause them to question what you're doing and the relationship. It does not matter how good the relationship is. It could go on for six months, nine months, and then one day it hits them like an anvil out of the sky. They go <laughs> – and that's that's the image that I get because they come in you know, rubbing their head confused like what just happened? And they, they say you know, all of this suddenly doesn't make sense. And to you as an agency, it might be a blindside movement that just kind of hits you as well. But – it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's some of the earliest clients that I've managed uh, in my career. Eventually, they all came to the same point. And so it's so important to be 
as specific as you possibly can from the beginning. We talk about this in so many different arenas and the sales process, you know, laying out specific expectations they can come in with and how your agency operates. And you have to be honest. And that's part of being specific is to be a straight shooter like you're talking about, Andrew, and to just be open and honest. If you're super strict at taking on additional scope requests, then start communicating it right away and not, you know, two months down the road, you know, and I think it's so important to tell the story of who you are specifically as well and to say, you know what, we stick very strictly to our scope and our contracts and this is how we deal with you know, requests outside that scope. So being specific about how you operate, what you're doing and what they can expect is going to make all the difference. Yeah, and I think it goes back to your processes that drive the agency. What is sort of the operational manual that everyone is following as you're delivering services? Are you just making things up as you go? And your cli- if you are, your clients are going to sniff through that. So vagueness might be a symptom that you as an agency owner or as an agency manager don't have a framework and a process that you're following on a weekly basis, ushering that client through through a journey. Um, so maybe evaluate some of your processes and think about what is driving this. Do I have a clear plan in place? Am I thinking about my inbound campaigns by the quarter? Am I looking at the data and making suggestions based on that data? Or am I trying to come up with new blog posts each month uh, to just get content out there? So if you find yourself being vague with you know deadlines, with number of deliverables, with cost, with anything, uh, look back to your processes and identify how, how you can breathe some more uh, structure into that so that you can lay out exactly what the client can expect over the next quarter and just really give them a lot of confidence going through that process. If you think about these five points and you're able to leverage the processes you have as an agency to overcome them, to set better expectations, to document better, to communicate better, to speak with more clarity as to the framework that you operate under as an agency. Your clients are going to have a higher level of delight at the end of the day. They're going to feel more secure about being in your care, about the insight that you're bringing to the table from a marketing and sales perspective. So think about those things. Ben, do you have any final wrap-up thoughts here before we uh, set this episode off to launch? Yeah, some final thoughts boils down to one statement, the golden rule. Treat others how you would like to be treated. None of these five points you would like to happen to you. So as you're thinking through the way that you treat your clients, be sure that you're not the one guilty of doing these things. And really think about more ways that you can better serve your clients and better ways of communication and just keeping them in the loop. Again, it comes down to this. Treat others how you would like to be treated. It's the old one and it's a good one. Follow that rule and you'll be delivering delight to your clients all day long. If you've enjoyed this show, please drop us a review on iTunes. Ben and I would love some feedback on how we're doing and how we can make this show even better for you, how we can give you the tools and resources to deliver delight to your clients. Until next time, guys, have a good one.